having a conversation. <laughs> Fucking hell. Welcome to Gaming Casual, the gaming podcast where we talk about games casually, and boy howdy do we have a fucking episode for you guys. Game, I, game, game, game. I am your host, Sedge. I'm joined by my normal co-host, Lightsaber Ninja. Sup. And Control Freak. Good evening, everyone. Or afternoon. Or morning. Whenever you're listening to this, if it be on your drive time commute, why the hell are you waking up to this? Jesus. Good morning, and in case we don't see you later, good good evening, good afternoon, and good night. All right, Truman. Oh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, we have a lot to talk about this week. Do we? We do, because we have to talk about Apex Legends. I think we have a little to talk about and a lot to say. Okay, fine. Either way, there's going to be a lot of talking happening. On a podcast? I know, right? Shocker. I don't think we're giving anyone the shocker. You don't know. Oh, I quit. <laughs> I don't want to know what you two do in your spare time. <laughs> he says like he's not there. Oh boy. Uh, so <laughs> before right. before we go down this rabbit hole any further. <laughs> ha, the shocker god damn, damn it alright so Apex Legends we need to talk about it because it's fantastic I hate it you, haven't even you don't even play it. it how do you know because you don't have a computer they can run it yeah, so. yeah that <laughs> or internet Now that's I'm just right. a low blow. Um, yeah, no, that's a low blow. I, I'll see <laughs> myself out now. <laughs> no, no, please continue. That was just me, but... What what do you think of it, Control? Because I know you've played it with me. Yeah. Um, I mean, I like it. I like its idea, and the fact that it came out so quietly. It came out quiet, respawned, like... I feel like I didn't even see commercials or advertisements for it until the day it launched until you mentioned that they were making it and the day that it launched it was just like wait what the hell is apex and at first i just thought oh it's just a it's probably you know chinese knockoff battle royale made by respawn wait what same people that did titanfall wait what the original it looks a lot infinity. like titanfall oh shit but you shan't but Shane, you say as because it's mean, as if that actually matters. Oh, well, wow! Wow! Mm. Savage. Damn. I like right. how you waded through his rant about this fucking game before you just dropped that one on me. All right, welcome to the <laughs> therapy podcast, where me and Control are going to help two of our th friends through their issues. What did I do? I'm talking to you, Shane. I know. Ah. But no. <laughs> also, it's not called Apex. Like, it's like Apex Legends or something, right? Yeah, it's Apex yeah, Legends. Okay, because every time Sedge, you talk about it, you just say Apex. I mean... Enough so that understand... you can use it with the word Anthem. Okay, that's on him. But, I mean, it makes sense to just call it Apex. I mean, saying it... Apex, people will recognize what we're talking about. We don't have to say Apex Legends. We could just say Apex, and people are like, Oh, yeah, Apex. I've been watching people play that. Or I've been playing that. I mean, 
Look at what it's done since it came out. Fuck the the biggest battle royale streamers like Ninja and everybody have moved from Fortnite to this. Good old Ninja. I mean, I, admittedly, I'm not a fan of his, but he has kind of a gauge for what is the hot ticket item. Just because he is, I, he's still the number one streamer, isn't he? I think he got passed up by somebody, but don't quote me on that. Yeah. What about PewDiePie? He's a YouTuber over streamer. Yeah. I know he does some streaming, but he's primarily YouTube famous. Um, but no, for Apex, it brings together a lot of what made Titanfall a lot of fun. Minus the giant mechs, but who knows? Maybe they'd add that in later as some sort of special content. Maybe they never add it in. I'd be okay either way. Um, but it's very fluid movement and combat, which I don't want to say Call of Duty copied it, but I think it's it feels more smooth than Call of Duty's movement. To be fair, it's made by the real Infinity Ward. He makes a point. Yeah. Which, I mean, just leads credence to the old school Call of Duty games that were made by them. You mean there was a reason why we all love them so much? Apparently. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, it's... They've taken the standard battle royale system they've added powers to it but none of the powers feel broken or overpowered annoying as shit but that's exactly what the powers are supposed to do they're supposed to be like god damn it i have to deal with this asshole because this asshole can do this this and that which is great because you can do that this and the other thing i don't think i've ever had a moment while playing this game since it launched where I've been like, that power's bullshit, I should have had them, and the only reason I didn't is because of their power. Yeah. Actually, nope, wait, I was fighting a wraith, and she basically wraithed me into her squad. Because I chased her. <laughs> so that's okay, my no, fault. That Yeah, that's your fault. That's that's genius. Yeah. That's that's one of those, uh, what do they didn't call them, you... 200 IQ plays? Yeah. Didn't you play and, like put a teleporter from their squad into your squad and then die on their side. Womp mm. womp. Mm. <laughs> and they come through your portal to attack your team. I don't recall. He's he's blocking out that, that memory. Yeah, I, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, honestly, I think the only complaint I even had about it while we were playing it the other night was my literally my first three matches, it was like, Drop in. I can't find a gun. I can't find a gun. Oh god, there are enemies, and I have no gun. But And then, of course, the one round we get, like, I finally get a gun. And start wrecking spaces. No, no. I got a gun, and I wrecked house. That was the next game where we got our shit pushed in after picking up guns. Well, there was the match where we dropped into the supply ship and got our ship pushed in because the guys dropped off of the supply ship onto us. Well, again, I, I didn't... Well, no, that one I did have a gun. I dropped down, you got knocked, and then I got knocked trying to get you back. Yeah, yeah. But no, overall, 
end story. I like Apex. I like what it's doing. And I do, I personally hope it starts taking over on the BR realm because, again, Fortnite, for being basic in terms of guns and environment, I like it for that. I hate it for the building. Call of Duty and, um, PUBG. well, actually, I would, yeah, I would say more PUBG than on the Call of Duty end, but for PUBG, the overabundance of just random BS items. It's like, here's a pistol, here's another pistol, here's a scope for an SMG, here's a scope for a rifle, here's a scope for a sniper, here's a scope for your pistol, here's a scope for a shotgun, here's a choke for your shot. It's like, there was just too much random crap spread everywhere. I will say, you can get, like, extended mags and sights and everything in Apex, but it auto-equips to your gun. It's like uh, Ring of Belize. Auto-equipped and color-coded. So it's like, oh, hey, this thing is better than what I currently have. I can tell because white is basic, blue is uncommon, purple is rare. And yellow is legendary. Yeah, so it's like, you can tell what it is before you pick it up if it's going to be worthwhile. Which is basically something I think they've not really snagged, but emulated from Borderlands. Or a lot of other games that are doing that now where it's like, all right, we're going to color code the loot so you can understand this is valuable, this is crap. Pay attention. Though I will say on your point of, you know, I mean, I also hope that it succeeds, but the idea of comparing it to, like, PUBG and uh, Fortnite and whatnot, like, I don't know, Battle Royale seems to be evolving into a genre, so it's just always good to have more quality games in that genre. Right, and, you know, Fortnite Battle Royale is free, PUBG you have to pay for, Black Ops obviously you have to pay for, because it's a Call of Duty game. The fact that they, one, released this game so under the fucking radar, and And that it was a solid game And that they released it for free. And it now has acquired over 25 million players, and it's been out for, what, a week? Something like that, yep. Yeah, no, because it came out the day I put a knife through my hand. So yeah, it's been (laughs) out exactly a week. I like how that's the gauge for this. And I like how last week we weren't allowed to talk about it, but this week he mentions it like it's a known fact. Well, now we, he's had the surgery and his finger is now... We definitely did talk about it last attacked. week. Oh, we talked about it. You just didn't want us to. <laughs> How are your fingers recovering? They're fine. I can... I he, have orders from the physical therapist to start moving them, kind of. He can wiggle them legally now. Yes. You'll be <laughs> back to guitaring soon enough. I don't play guitar. What the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> you wail oh. on that guitar. I've seen you. That's like that gif. So I'll be able to play guitar once my arm heals? Oh, yes, of course. Sweet. I couldn't play before. <laughs> but actually, one thing I want to state for, uh, for Apex. No alpha. No beta. No open testing. No nothing. It was just, hey, this game's out. Try it if you want. Or don't. We don't care. Are you saying that like it's a good thing? Yes. Because they put out something quality without teasing it. Or, you know, oh, hey, try this early version. Overhyping to the point that everyone is disappointed. Yeah. 
Yeah, but putting out an alpha and a beta, though, it, there's reason for that. I, I know that games use it as a crutch and publishers use it as a crutch to not play to pay testers and stuff. But like the, you need that to know if the servers can but, handle it and whatnot. Well, and that's that's one thing that I want to try and uh, segue to. Not so subtly, I guess now. Um, a lot of alpha and beta tests nowadays don't even do that purpose. They're just glorified demos. Yeah, they, they put it out, say, hey, everybody that wants to play our game, we're going to let you all into the, you know, we're going to let a select few of you into the alpha playtest, and then a week later, we're going to run the beta playtest so that everyone can give it a try. And yes, part of the reason for that is to test server limits. But that can be done so much easier. That can be done as a, either a, not an early release. I would not say do it as an early release, but literally call it a stress test release. You state two weeks in advance, you say, hey, we are doing a stress test release. This is going to be a 24-hour full availability. Play the game. Get every like as many people as we can to play and test our servers. What an alpha and beta are supposed to do are supposed to be, hey, we need people to play this game to try and break it. We have our testers, and they try to break it, but players are creative. Players will find stuff. We want you, we want you to break this. That doesn't happen anymore. Now it's a, here's an early release version of our game, and this is two weeks before launch. It's not an early release version. It's not an earlier version of the game. It's a tenth of a patch back from full release in one-tenth of the map so that when the game launches they can say oh hey these reviewers are already giving it amazing reviews because they played this small portion of it a week ago like i get that you want your advertising and that's fine but don't call it a beta because you're not changing anything from it don't call it an alpha because you're not changing anything from it you're not listening to people's complaints and problems about it you just want people to see it, say it's pretty, and tell them to buy your $60 game. I mean, I get I get what you're saying, uh, but you figure whenever they first started doing betas for, like, live and, and PSN and all that stuff like that, like, console players and stuff who got it, they were the ones who treated it like, oh, I'm getting an early game. Oh, this game sucks because it's not perfect and polished. Like, people didn't understand what a beta was anyway. But now that we're in a market of digital media where you could do a playtest beta where it's, hey, this is unfinished, but we want to know what you guys believe could be changed. And this would be at a time frame where the game does not have a solid release. You put it out, you say, guys, play this game, tell us what you think. And based on that, we will make changes, we will make tweaks. You think the gunplay feels like ass. You think there's too much recoil, too little recoil. You think that certain guns hit too hard. We will rework it, and we will put it out again. You guys play it. You guys tell us. This And again, this is before the game even comes out. This is before it has a release date. It gives them marketing, which is what they were doing with it originally, but it also gives them a chance to change upgrade and fix the game instead of putting out a piece of crap $60 game waiting half a year to do their update 
and say, hey guys, we fixed all these things you've been complaining about after the player base has died. Fallout 76. <laughs> Prime example. I that mean, was I what the purpose was for alpha and beta tests. At least, again, back in the day. I understand that a lot of companies now just use them for free marketing. I just wish that they wouldn't because you're marketing crap then. It just feels like you're being both simultaneously naive and cynical. And I don't know how, so I don't know what to say. <laughs> I mean, well, if I'm being naive, that means I don't fully understand what I'm talking about. Well, we. Both... I mean, that, I guess that doesn't... Also, I guess that wouldn't negate being cynical, but yeah, you're being like super cynical and naive about it. Well, I mean, we both took place in the Anthem took part in the Anthem beta last week. Yeah. And I will say, Anthem's a pretty fun game. Just based off of what I saw in the beta. But that's the thing. It's a beta. Everything in there is sub... At that point, though, what, what, was, what was that beta? Two weeks ago, right? Or a week and a yeah. half ago? Two weeks the game releases in two this days? week yep well for the premiere access yes in two days so effectively the game releases in two days yeah. so the game should be gold already like by status of the game so you're telling me in two weeks they fixed every issue people had with the beta that, I mean, that that brings us to another problem of companies aren't releasing finished games. They're releasing mostly finished games and then going, we'll patch the rest in the interim. But we need to get it's, out for uh, Christmas. It's at least gotten a little better, though, over the past couple of years. That's true. It has gotten better. Because for a while there, it was... Ooh. Hey, sorry our game is utterly unplayable. We'll fix it with these upcoming patches. By the way, this patch is about 50 gigs. Yeah. So you guys just remade the game. Oh no, this is an add-on patch. Oh, so this is the rest of the game. That you left out, No Man's Sky. <laughs> uh, why are there so many prime examples of crap? Because the market... Is mar it still cool to on No Man's Sky? I mean, yes. I, I wouldn't oh. say it was. it's cool, but I'm still gonna do it. Not, not okay. about, I'm not about being cool, man. About that's fair. About facts. Wait, wait. We're supposed to be basing our arguments on fact. I gotta go. Uh, fuck. <laughs> and our argument destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I I agree with you there. They need to stop using like the the betas as a pre-order bonus. Go back to like you can sign up for the closed beta if you want to. Yeah. Under the and, pretense of you are helping make the game better. And honestly, I would almost say I I don't want to say make it contract based, but have a it it would basically be a compulsory survey at the end. It's like name five things you would change. Name five things you think worked really good. Name five things 
you think could be added to the game. You get that from all the players. You sort through it. You find, hey, this issue, this issue, and this issue popped up in like 75% of these reviews. Like 75% of these people said the character animation sucked ass. Let's go back, review what the character animations look like, and address it. You know, but all these people, they also said that they loved how the dialogue played out. They loved how the characters were. It's just their animation sucked. Cool. We don't have to worry about that now. We were on good track with that. Now, what did everyone say they wanted to add to the game? Oh, well, they, you know, you're going to obviously get the ridiculous off the wall kind of crap, but then you might also get something where they'll look at it and be like, you know, that's a great idea. We should totally implement that. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd be okay if I started signing up for betas and they said, hey, as part of the agreement, please fill out this survey at the end of your time trial or at the end of your trial playthrough. Fill this out and we're going to review it and make adjustments to the game accordingly. That and then there'd be a Reddit gold. thread about why are they doing this instead of paying us as playtesters, and then there'd be a giant backlash, and then they'd stop doing betas. Except that part of the agreement to sign up for the beta is you're not being paid for this. You get to try this game. You are not an employee of theirs. If you're a paid employee of theirs, then there's a whole different kit and caboodle of god-awfulness that would happen. Oh, I was just shitting on Reddit. I mean, Reddit has its uses. But we'll let you know when we figure out what they are. Uh, generally, r slash fail. <laughs> yeah, alright, fair enough. <laughs> Everyone enjoys watching someone fail at something. Yeah, especially like, those parkour guys. Oh, those are uh, those are painful to watch. That's so yes, funny. but it's fun to watch people being stupid about it. Oh, oh, I love it. <laughs> I just but I, yeah, I just want to be like my favorite actor, Taylor Lautner, in that sweet parkour movie he made that everybody remembered. Oh God, I. Re- Oh, what was that movie called? No, no, I'll look it up I later. But I, I remember what you're talking about. I don't. There, there it, was actually like a, a series generic, of parkour movies. It's, it's just a generic movie that Taylor Lautner was in. There was actually two of them. Or, well, no. there was the original version and then a remake of it. Oh, God. Really? Yes. Interesting. Uh, we'll talk about it later and I'll, I'll find the video for you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so back back to uh alphas and betas i mean end result i'm an alpha they have (laughs) good for you um (laughs) you beta male cuck okay i'm just gonna slap um end result they have their uses when done properly do you want to know a game that if they had used their alpha and beta playtest properly the game would have been really good mass effect andromeda no, there's so much more to that. Oh, no. There are plenty of issues. Yes. I'm just saying there would have been warning signs Trace. beforehand that maybe they shouldn't put it out yet if they had done a proper alpha and beta setup. But they were just so high on their own success for the Mass Effect franchise. They were like, fuck it. 
put that shit out and then close the studio. The movie's called Tracers. And that's a different one than I was thinking. Um, but yeah, so that that is my end opinion. They have uses. I would like to have them go back to it, but for the time being, it's it's just a marketing playtest. Don't expect your opinion to matter in it. And that is a shame. Sorry, I ranted really long on that one. That was oof. It's all right. Should have just muted myself or should have no, halfway just why we have a podcast. <laughs> Speaking of games that should have a playtest, or at least a video of play. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, I was going to say, speaking of Reddit getting all mad about dumb shit. Wait, are we still, are we both going over to Death Stranding on this one? Yep. <laughs> okay, well, let, let's find out what Reddit has to say about Death Stranding. Enlighten. No, it's kind of what, uh, what just inspired me to remember what a cesspool uh, Reddit can be. But um, no, the so the there's this dude Aki Saito who left Konami and joined Kojima Productions, and he became head of marketing now. And as a fun little thing, he was like, "Hey guys, if I get like twenty thousand, thirty thousand followers, I, I'm going to share some information." And Jesus. yeah, I mean, I feel like he got fired after that. No, he's still there and stuff, but like. I, that's his job. It's marketing. You know what I mean? If you're the head of marketing, to me, that's a very innocuous, simple little marketing scheme. It gets people excited. It gets people to follow you and, and be involved in, you know, what you do. Um, yeah. And, and the entire Reddit thing was just like, this is just a marketing scam. Duh. He's the head of marketing. Do you want the info or not? You don't have to follow him. It doesn't cost you anything. Follow him for a day so he releases the information and then everyone just unfollows the next day. Yeah, or like don't follow him uh, don't follow him at all and make him feel real bad about himself. Like yeah, no matter how excited for death stranding we are, we don't give a fuck. You know what I mean? Like there's so many things you could do besides just bitch about it. But anyway. But are we excited for death stranding? Yes. I am. I have so much fucking Death Stranding information right now, dude. He's literally bursting at the seams. He sent me a picture. It's actually terrifying. We should probably call an ambulance. All I, no, the the only picture I have seen him send is the one of Norman Reedus's ass. That one of Norman Reedus's ass is actually the info that Aki Saito dropped. I just thought it was funny to attach it to Norman Reedus's butt. Of course. That's what this game's about, right? Staring at Norman Reedus's butt? I'd rather not. But we want a worldwide marketing... Uh, we want a worldwide audience that includes women. If, if it is a 40-hour game where 20 hours of it is just full-motion videos of Norman Reedus's ass... But what if... I don't need that. I don't what need if, that. What if the Decima engine, which is where I want to start anyway, but what if the Decima engine allows it so, like... You know how even whenever you have good, quote-unquote, good... Uh, mocap for faces, like, it's still off. Like, no matter how much they captured Kevin Spacey's likeness in Call of Duty, um, his cheekbones never, like, his cheeks never move whenever he speaks, so he looks weird. No matter how much they yeah. captured his likeness in Call of Duty, so what if... it didn't change the fact that he still touches children. 
but it's okay because he's gay. Ugh, uh, my god, I hate him. Uh, god damn him it, and, uh, the dude that did uh, Superman Returns as well. What if um, Brian Singer? He's part of the same parties with Kevin Spacey. Anyway, what if the Death Mansion was so fucking intense that you could actually see the creases in his butt? <laughs> I don't want to see the creases of his butt. You could see every dimple in his cheeks. And not the ones on his face uh, as he walks. I, I don't Just, want that. All right, I, I, would, I mean, like... I would like to point out we have seen video of Norman Reedus clothed in the game. We know he puts on clothes at some point. Yeah, but hopefully it's yeah, like the last 10% like of the game. Light, light only wants the game to see his ass. Also, in the video version of this podcast, you have to share the gif that <laughs> Super Producer Chief uh, put up. Oh, God. Why? So we can all start dying on call? No, so we can all imagine Norman Reedus tweaking. Or twerking. Tweaking. That's, that's yeah, tweaking and twerking. <laughs> well, let's be honest. If you can get your ass cheeks to move like that, you're tweaking and twerking. No, if your ass um, cheeks are moving like that, either your ass is fake or it's about to explode. <laughs> See, I just think that that's like meth level stripper. Oh, God. Um, your silicone butt implants are going rogue. <laughs> damn the Patriots. Right, but... <laughs> Back to real Death Stranding news instead of okay. Morbidus's ass implants. Alright, let's start with the Decima engine. Is that cool? What's the Decima I mean, I have no engine, idea. Light? Yeah, I was about to say, I have zero clue what the fuck that is. Okay, so when Kojima split from Konami and started his own company, they uh, he partnered with Sony because Sony was like, fuck yeah, we want to keep pretending that we're awesome. Um... And so they went looking around some of Sony's first and second party developers to get like uh, an engine to use so that they didn't have to build something from scratch, right? Right. And they thought, like they even considered like Unreal and uh, what's Unity. But they went around looking for stuff and they talked to different developers. When they went to Guerrilla Games, the first thing Guerrilla Games did was hand them a little box. And inside the box was a USB drive that contained the source code for the engine they used for uh, Horizon. Hmm. And Kojima was so impressed and humbled by that, that they would just like, here's like literally the source code for our engine, that that's which, why they partnered with Gorilla. Which Horizon Zero Dawn had an amazing engine and amazing gameplay and... I can't wait for the next one. So, they partnered with them. They actually worked together on the engine to tweak it, and they renamed it the Decima engine. But tweak it how? Well, I don't know, but it's like... They enhanced it more. I'm pretty sure that it's still the engine that's used for Horizon. I think that Horizon is using the Decima engine as well. Because they didn't turn it into the Fox engine. Yeah, well, I don't know. I, I don't know what they what tweaks they made. Obviously, it's not the Fox engine, but it looks great. Um, Like, you weren't kidding when you said it's a great engine. Oh, that game is definitely cool. not. Yeah, no. I, um, uh, world. What's interesting about the name, though, 
Decima is a Latinized version of the Dejima Islands. The Dejima Islands during like the age of imperialism were where Japan went out to trade with the outside world, uh, primarily with the Dutch. So it's an island, it represents the island where the Dutch and Japanese would trade and work together. Uh, the Guerrilla Games is a Dutch company. Mm-hmm. Here I was Pens- thinking decimation. Yeah, that's... so did I. But no, it's it's you know better than that, I guess. And uh, <laughs> now that the deeper. game is now that the game's complete and the engine is finalized, uh, Kojima Productions went back to Guerrilla Games and handed them that box. And inside the box was a USB that had the alpha build. Huh. Freaking. Yeah, so they have uh, they've played it. Yeah, it's a really cool uh, story too. Yeah, they have played it. Um, I have all the praise from everybody that's played the game. If you want to hear it, Let, let's hear a couple snippets. It's only snippets because nobody said anything big. I'm gonna save Jordan Vote Roberts for the end though because he's the longest and the most ridiculous. But anyway. Uh, Guerrilla Games said, can't stop thinking about what I saw today. Intriguing, beautiful, touching, mysterious, amazing, artistic, thrilling, engaging, inspiring, masterful. This sounds like a personal wank session right there. All of them do. It's pretty nuts. I I, I specifically didn't copy everybody who said mind-blowing or speechless because there's just too many. Um, here's a fun one. With Kojima... He is an inspiration. Death Stranding dares to push the boundaries. It's wonderful to be able to compare notes. Happy and honored to call him a friend. Sam Lake. You may not know the name, but you know the company he works for, Remedy Entertainment, and you know his smirky-ass face from the first uh, Max Payne. I mean, the first Max Payne was very retro. Yeah, but like... You know the character model for Max, his face? Yeah. yeah. That was the writer, Sam Lake. Interesting. And kind of entertaining. Yeah, I love that smirk. Um, let's see. Uh, what I can say is I've never seen anything like it. He's a genius, and it's beyond anything we can imagine. It's just a completely different world. That's Mads Mikkelsen. I cannot wait to share a quote from him later. Because Mads Mikkelsen doesn't know what the hell's going on. That's why it's so vague. Hmm. Uh, Norman Reedus, it's a very positive game, but scary and depressing at the same time. It's kind of a new movie. I've never seen anything like what we're doing. Now, it's interesting that he said movie because Kojima also hinted at a movie recently. I don't know what they're talking about. Really? Insert, in, yeah, insert cutscene joke here, I guess. Yeah, I mean, look at any of the later Metal Gears. Here is, well, specifically four. Um, Here is the most Wankfest one, though. The world is next-level immaculate. It's like freebasing pure Kojima and Shinkawa. Remember when Fury Road blew you away but also made you in the best, most thankful way ask, what the fuck, how does this miracle exist? You are not ready. That's director Jordan Vote roberts who is doing the Metal Gear film. His last movie was Kong Skull Island. 
He's also I mean, the reason nobody likes CinemaSins anymore. I like CinemaSins still. I like CinemaSins. Yeah, yeah, but most people don't know. It, it, there's a very big thing about CinemaSins and critiquing and all that. Anyway. What? I never heard anything about that. They're doing pretty good. I there's a huge should... controversy, dude, and Jeremy from CinemaSins has not addressed it at all. What? Did he make a mean comment about someone? He did the cinema sins for Kong Skull Island. And the thing right. is, is that Jordan Vote Roberts uh, likes real criticism. And, you know, cinema sins is a series of sometimes they have real critiques, but mostly it's supposed to be nitpicks. Yeah. But they flip flop a lot on whether they're satire or serious. And so he saw some things in there and he went on this huge Jordan Vote Roberts, by the way. He saw a couple things in the CinemaSins for Kong Skull Island, and he went on this huge rant about, like, this is some bullshit, and if you really want to critique a film, and he actually put real film critique for what is wrong with Kong Skull Island. And then he had also, uh, before that, did the, um, oh, uh, Honest Trailers, where he tore down his own, own movie again. And it just sparked this huge backlash and debate. And nowadays, whenever people mention CinemaSins, if you were a true critique or nitpicker, then it's cool to shit on CinemaSins. I mean, that just sounds like the director got butt hurt. And he didn't, though. You, you got to read it. I mean, to a point, maybe, but you got to read it because it is, it, it, he is, I think what it was, was he's mad the true film critique. He didn't. He saw a bunch of dumbass nitpicks. He then he, I mean, obviously he went to the wrong location. It's like, but CinemaSins doesn't. Um, it's not like they advertise what they actually do. It's hard to even say it. It's like, uh, it's like if you go to the comments for that, or if you go to like honest trailer commenters too. Like the most people, not us, obviously, and not all the cool kids listening to us, but most people think. Or expect them to like tear down a movie. There are even people who are like, oh man, I can't watch this movie anymore. And it's like, what are you talking about? It's just a CinemaSins video. It's goofy. Like, well, we can do, we can go into more depth on that at a later yeah, point. Yeah, it's like, but it's a, I was trying to just make a small little comment there. I didn't mean to delve in, but it is a huge topic we should cover someday. Maybe I'll. Um, yeah, or keeping it casual, pull you on or something. It's a good topic that I think there's a lot. To anyway, let's let's dig into this more. Uh, I think I've brought up the concept of ropes and sticks before. Probably uh, at some point. I have the explanation here whenever it comes to Death Stranding. So there's a short story by uh, author Kobe Abe called Ropes, right? And in an interview, Kojima, who read and likes the story, had said, uh, he kind of summed it up, uh, it's, the stick is the first tool that mankind created, put distance between himself and bad things, to protect himself. The second tool that mankind created is a rope. A rope is a tool used to secure things that are important to you. Most of your tools in action games are sticks. You punch, or you shoot, or you kick. The communication is always through these sticks. I want people to be connected, but not through sticks, through what would be the equivalent of rope. 
I mean, I can understand the idea. But how does that translate to gameplay? It, that, that sounds more like he wants people to make a connection with the characters. He doesn't want people to be drawn in because you get to beat up the bad guy. He wants to draw people in by the depth of character, the style of character. But the thing well, the the game... with that is, okay. yeah. the problem with that type of mentality is that's how you make a compelling movie. That's how you make something that someone yeah. wants to sit down and watch for an hour and a half, two hours. You don't do that for a game. Because when I pick up a game, I'm not sitting down to watch literally someone else yeah doing the things that i want to do i want to be to quote a silly flash game i want to be the guy hmm. <laughs> like i don't i don't want to watch someone else be the guy i want to be the guy what uh, what flash game are you quoting because i feel like i played that i want to be the guy gaiden ah it's it's a rage game yep <laughs> but like i i it's it hold on it's kind of funny you actually touched on a lot that is going to come up later um and some of it should assuage some of the issues you have. i i think you're onto something by saying uh by saying that you think that they're trying to connect you to the character because one of the things he told norman was i want players to be you not control you um however the game also has confirmed that it has both multiplayer and co-op and kojima since then has said that this is about connecting people now from norman reedus he says the concept is so mind-blowing because it's not like kill everybody and win the game it's a connecting thing it's like the opposite it's so ahead of its time and there's elements of social media in it and the idea is that so many games and so many parts of millennial culture are being alone in a room and you lose contact, physical contact with people. This is after that and the reestablishing of that physical content. It's super, super interesting for contact. See, now, a lot of these guys are talking about this revolutionary gameplay and this kind of harkens back to one of my complaints for Death Stranding is, what is the gameplay? I have, like, hear the developers and, you know, all their inside men singing its praises. Oh, it's going to be amazing. You're going to feel things you didn't know you could still feel. Yeah. You're going to love everything about it. And it's like, show me that. Show yeah. me why I'm going to love this. Because if I can't see it, I can't agree. I was I was talking about this earlier, and, and, and I agree with you. I, to me, what it's what makes this both interesting and uh, worrying is that it does sound cool in theory, but it's one of these ideas that it reminds me of like whenever uh, Avatar was being made and everybody talked about how groundbreaking and revolutionary. Wait, wait, the, one question. Which Avatar? I assume the Obviously blue people Cameron. Avatar. Yeah, I wouldn't. I would have said the last Airbender if I was talking about the film. And nobody during the making of that movie said groundbreaking or revolutionary, <laughs> unless we're talking about ILM's effects. No. Um, Somebody definitely went up to, and uh, joking, it's like, so Shyamalan's lost his mind. No, man. 
He's totally being groundbreaking. Hasn't lost his mind at all. He's very revolutionary. Did you White see people with Asians? Did you see the sixth the sixth sense with the twist? <laughs> I wonder what the twist what will be twist. in this. But anyway, speaking of crappy uh, Shyamalan twists, glass. No, wait. No, I'm, I'm, I'm just <laughs> no. Gonna, no. I'm, I'm just no, no. We'll, we won't discuss it now. Please continue your topic. I just I had to get out. I had to get that out of my system. <laughs> anyway. Um, but whenever James Cameron was making Avatar, uh, Steven Spielberg, uh, Peter Jackson, George Lucas, for some reason, they all visited the set. Everybody in, in the industry was all talking about how groundbreaking, revolutionary and new this was. And then the movie came and don't get me wrong. It was absolute eye candy to watch in 3D. And then we never talk about it because it had literally no cultural impact. Nobody goes around saying Jake Sully or I see you the way they said, draw me like one of your French girls. So I worry about this game where everybody's like, oh, yeah, it's so crazy and revolutionary and, and ropes and shit and that stuff and tying people together and connections and millennial loneliness and all this and that. And then the game's going to come out and it's either going to truly be something new which I don't know because as much of an auteur as he is, he still has very basic game design. Um, or it's just going to be terrible. And it's going to be like trying to play a David Cage game. and be like, what the fuck are you thinking? This is not intuitive. Yeah. And, and then they'll update it with, a, with move controls or something. But the emotion and the emotions that you can see now. <laughs> but we can do so much with emotions. I want to shut up. I want, I want to talk about Norman Reedus because I do have little snippets throughout all of this about uh, tiny details about the game, and I'd love to also talk about what you guys think this means. But on the subject of connecting and all that, uh, Norman Reedus' character, Sam, well, I'll just... Where is it at? Uh, it's not a kind of game where you kill everybody in the room. It's a game of bringing people together. How you play it is you're building bridges from here to there and other people are doing the same, and you connect. And the character that I play is, he's got a phobia of being touched, which you can actually see him act out in that last trailer. And as you play the game, the phobia leaves you. And I wonder if that has anything to do with the handprints. It's complicated, but once you're in it, it doesn't seem as complicated. It's constantly surprising you with decisions left and right and what, uh, what comes at you, and it's a real brave game. It's visually stunning, and the story behind it is a whole nother level, you know? It's not Pac-Man, it's not simple, but the philosophy behind it is one that everybody can get. But how does it handle emotions? <laughs> I, I know they're talking about it being revolutionary. Like They, they keep talking it up, but un until I see something about it, I just... No, that's fine. But what I what I like to point out there is that Sam, the character, has a phobia of being touched. That's interesting. That's something we didn't know before. It's well, I I feel like you had mentioned it once in the past. I thought that had come up somewhere, but this I is mean, just the first time that I've actually gathered all the data I've had and wrote it down so I don't forget anything. Right. It's it's an interesting idea. It's a unique character quirk but i don't know how it's going to play into the core of the game it's like 
So if you're playing the game and your character gets touched by another player or an enemy or just another random character in the game, is he going to suddenly like jump jump away and shriek and put himself into danger because he doesn't want to be interacted with in that manner? Like, yeah. Okay, so that that is a game mechanic that you're applying there. Well, what I think of is in the gameplay trailer that they showed whenever they got to the stealth segment, the fail state where he died at the end of the trailer uh, was literally people coming out of the ground and touching and grabbing him. Mm-hmm. And then I think that you combine that he has a phobia of being touched with uh, the earlier comments he made about how we're alone in a and we don't have physical contact with people anymore. I guess. That's why. Yeah. Um, uh, and his handprints. See in the future. His handprints uh, are reminiscent of a cave called Cueva de los Manos. Cave that of the happens hands. to. Yep, Cave of the Hands. Uh, that happens to have a similar pattern in their artwork. I don't know what that has to do with anything. I just thought it was interesting. Um, I mean, it could have been a partial inspiration for it. Now, to get to the worrying stuff and one of my favorite quotes before we can just discuss things, because it'll be my final quote. I want to talk about Mads Mikkelsen, who is very enthusiastic for this game, but does not know what's going on. And in everything I've found from Mads Mikkelsen, it's all the same. It's all, yeah, this dude's a genius. Uh... I don't know what's happening. So here we go. This is, uh, this is the story of him first coming on for the game. I had no idea what he was talking about. I was just meeting with the guy, and then I asked around me, and everybody who was younger than me just said, whoa, he's the godfather of all gaming. And he turned out to be a genius. I mean, whatever he's doing, I've never seen anything like it. Specifically for this, what we're doing now, I've never seen anything like it. He still tries to pitch me what it is, and I'm still standing there looking like an idiot going, what? Say it again? It's so elaborate, his world. It makes sense when it's done, but it's difficult to grasp when he talks about it. I feel like that's just a language barrier. <laughs> well, I feel like he just doesn't want to say anything wrong, but he literally... He's just completely in the dark about what's actually happening. It's just like, yeah, it's a thing that's happening. Yeah. And like for, for Norman Reedus, what I actually think is going on um, is I think that he has sat down and talked to Kojima about his character and all the shit that he keeps sharing about how the game's about connecting people and all has nothing to do with actual gameplay or anything. It's just the philosophy of the world and character that he's been told by a director. You know what I mean? Right. Which I mean, That's most games idea. have. Yeah, most games have their subtext, pretext, overtext, whatever you want to call it. Their yeah ideology behind everything, and yeah, it doesn't it necessarily direct impact the uh, the game itself, but yeah. it is kind of the overarching message that they want to present. 
Yeah, or like sometimes in films, characters will have whole backstories that never get touched on, but they use it to find their character, to ground them, to to give them life. Yeah. And and I think they're an idea. The, the, yeah. the audience may never know of it, but the actor yeah. themselves can kind of give gain a mindset. And I'm kind of thinking that because Kojima is literally the most Hollywoodian uh, game designer, um, I'm thinking that a lot of Norman Reedus's comments that have come out have all been kind of that more so than actual useful information. Um, yeah. Uh, again, I, I, I know I keep repeating myself. I, I want to see more to make an assessment. Yeah. And I do know, like how, even if, how... It's, even well, if it's just like more, not comprehensive, but a cutscene that I can comprehend. Like most of what you have seen yeah. most of what we have been seen and shown is very surreal yeah like we we you don't get a picture of well what's going on you know what no i get what you're say, saying what happened to cause this like give me something about that and i might i, I could feel more of a connection i think that to, to get a little go back to the topic of connections to get a little uh fan theorist I personally, I think that it was like an alien invasion. War of the World style. I feel like it's more um, interdimensional. I'll give you that. I, I just, I have a feeling that he's recycling some ideas that didn't get to come to fruition with Silent Hills. <laughs> but talking about Aki Saito before, I guess I lied. I do have one last quote. Uh, so he did get his followers and he did release some tidbits. And um, the whole thing is cool. I Like I said, I posted that picture. You can read the whole quote if you want. I'm going to just skip to the end for this. Damn it, guys. Quit talking about alien face splooging. But... The final bit uh, that he had said in that was uh, what you see in the trailers really starts to become clear the more you play the game. I've also adapted to the game controls very naturally. Already I'm sucked in it. I'm in the world. I'm emotionally tied in. Uh, as I said previously, it's much more than just creating a game and certainly not just on a technical level. We do beyond that to get you wrapped up in a new world. So he's at least saying that the game at least makes sense when you play it. At least someone has stated that instead of just, oh, it's groundbreaking. It's the most provocative mm -hmm. imagery you've ever seen. <laughs> Honestly, a lot of the other quotes sound like something I'd hear Donald Trump say. Well, it's kind of this, funny. This, I'm let's this, not get on this. This game. Or... This game. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let me tell you about this game. This game. Best game ever. Both Great of imagery. your guys' Donald Trump impressions imagery. are they're, shitty they're New garbage. York mom. It, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought you were doing a Trump. Um, <laughs> but no, what's kind of funny, like, though, about you bringing this up 
is that everybody else has been super vague, but the one dude whose job is to just hype you up and be vague, the marketing guy, is the one who's given us the most concrete information. Yeah. Well, and that's, I think part of it's because all of the other people don't write reviews. They don't have the, and the, like, this links over to my work. It's like, they don't have the technical writing skills or thought process to put what they did into correct words. Yeah. They, they think of it, they think in terms of artistry, imagery, yeah. emotions and feelings. Yeah, uh, Sam Lake. The guy is like, no. People don't like. Yeah, they yeah. they will see the artistry. They will see the imagery. That's what you will present them. What they want yeah. to know about is, does it feel good to play it, to interact yeah. with it, to see? I those can almost, that feel good. I can almost guarantee that Sam Lake sat down and just held a philosophical conversation about the writing with Kojima. Came away oh. saying that it's going to be great. Um, Gorilla Games, they know game design, and so they're just like, yep, I'm speechless, great game, but they don't say anything about it. And then for Jordan Vote Roberts, he doesn't count because the reason he's on the Metal Gear uh, film right now is he is a huge Metal Gear fan. And so he's just talking the same way that you, or not you, but the same way I would if I got to meet Kojima and hear a little bit or see a little bit about his game. Right. And it's just like, oh, yeah, it's, you're not ready. I'm ready. Fucking drop it already. Your brains aren't ready for this man. Now, Troy Baker, who plays the man in the golden mask, mm-hmm. he did... There's something right now where there's like a, a the 10-year challenge or something like that. He showed a photo of a character he played 10 years ago, 2009. It was Titus Titus from oh. Final Fantasy. Yeah, Titus. And then for 2019, he posted The Man in the Golden Mask, which got everybody like, oh, did he reveal the release date? <laughs> like, maybe he doesn't know. He just thinks it's coming out. Who knows? Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, as long as it doesn't... And we talked about this before. As long as it doesn't end up with a Daikatana situation... Yeah. Where it's just like... Sony's given him enough, they've definitely given him enough rope, no pun intended, to hang himself. Mm-hmm. It, they've definitely done the thing. It's like, well, it's... It's Kojima. Every, yeah. Everybody wants to see Kojima's um, new game. We'll just let him do whatever he wants. It's like, hey, guys. Here's uh, money. Make us money. Yeah. yeah. Basically. But yeah. And uh, final bit, personal thought. Um, I don't know if you guys remember the trailer that had the man in the golden mask in it. Yeah. He punches the ground, gets a cool dog. I think that might have been a boss fight. It could have been anything. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just, just having played through Metal Gear again recently, a couple of them. I think that's a boss fight. Yeah, probably. <laughs> hey, wait, that's not Metal Gear Rex. Wrong game. Oh, <laughs> shit. Well, there's still that subset of people that are convinced this is a giant ruse and this is really a Metal Gear game. 
This is the new Metal Gear at the Nano end, Machines. At the Son end, of a bitch! At the end of Death Stranding, it's just gonna be a helicopter lands, and you just see the, uh, the bandana, and Snake turns around. Kept you waiting, huh? Except it's Kiefer for Sutherland, so it's like, kept you waiting, huh? The fuck was that? That was the key for Sutherland. <laughs> that was, that's exactly what he sounds like in fucking Ground Zero. No, because that sounded like New York Grandpa. That's exactly what he sounds like in Ground Zeroes, dude. Kept you waiting, huh? Oh my god. Timmy, you come here. You, you get... You and your friends need to stop sitting on the goddamn grass. I cut that grass every day. <laughs> oh, God. You know, props for going for it once you thought of the word grass, but no. <laughs> I, I didn't know where to go with that joke. Especially since it's New York. You're making a lot of assumptions there's grass in New York. It's like the one <laughs> vacant lot in all of New York. Or, the, you know, the giant grass. park full of it, but whatever. That's not grass either. <laughs> patch of grass right in the middle. It's no, it's just astroturf, man. Have you ever been to New York? <laughs> no, I haven't. Well, I've been to the state. Exactly. So, do you know that that's grass? No, nah, you don't. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not channeling Tony. I'm not channeling Tony. Fuck. Yeah, it feels like you're channeling Tony. Uh, shh, shh, shh. Tony's not coming out. Not coming out. But okay. <laughs> oh, so, but imagine yeah. what Norman Reedus's balls look like. <laughs> Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> we might find we already out. saw his ass. We already saw his ass. I don't need to know about his balls. So, and, end notes for Death Stranding. Everyone's raving about it. That's working on it. No one else has said a thing. Aside from the one guy that's making the Metal Gear move. Yeah. And again, this is me repeating myself over and over. I'm not convinced, but I am intrigued. So that's that's the best I can give them is I am intrigued by it. You are definitely enthralled by it, it seems, but you're also a massive Kojima nut. Uh, I'm, I'm okay, real interested in the game. I'm real interested in the game, but I wouldn't say enthralled like. I'm still cautiously optimistic. I just, I lean more towards the optimism than the yeah. caution. Well, again, because it, it's, a, for you, it's a Kojima thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but Shane, what's, what are uh, your two cents, your ten cents, your uh, excitement Input. level? Let's hear it. For Death Stranding? Yeah. For, yes, for I, Death Stranding. I, we don't I, have anything else to talk about with the game. How do you feel about it? I, I'm cautiously optimistic because it is, on the one hand, I'm definitely one of the people who's also in the camp, but it's Kojima. He can do no wrong kind of thing. But I don't know about nothing wrong. Okay, you know what I mean, though. Yeah. Like, it's Kojima. It's probably going to be good, especially yeah. now that he doesn't have Konami breathing down his neck. The problem yeah, is... Yeah, oh, man. Okay, go ahead. We... We don't... that. All we have to go on is what you get, what we've been talking about for the last 30 minutes of just people going, you're not ready, man. It's going to be awesome, yeah. man. So, cautious optimism is where I'm going to sit. I'm going to play it. I'm going to buy it. I still don't know how I feel about it. 
I'll be honest, until I actually see somebody that is part of like games journalism and not a Kojima stan say something positive about it, every time I see these things of I'm speechless, you're not wor- you're not ready, all that, it just makes me more trepidatious. It it definitely feels yeah, it's definitely that, okay, are you guys bigging it up like this because you know it can't stand on its own? Like, I think that if you spend, if you like Kojima and you spend 10 minutes talking to Kojima about his game, you're going to come away thinking he made a great game, whether you play it or not. Right, because Kojima believes he did. Yes. So that's worrying. Um, What was the, fuck, what was the thing you just said? I had, oh, his, his relationship with Konami. Mm -hmm. so this could be just reading into it it could be a nothing but i realized that you can actually see his relationship whether it's whether it's purposely subtextual or just a subconscious thing that he does you can see his relationship with his fans and konami in every metal gear game and uh that's what makes me most curious about this one. Like how Norman Reedus said that it's a very positive game, but also scary and depressing. Right. That sounds to me the same. Like he's obviously very optimistic that he's got this freedom, but it comes with the fear of the fact that, you know, he could fail harder than he ever has failed before. I mean, honestly, as long as he knows that, I think he's keeping himself humble and there's a chance that everybody is right, that it is going to be one of the best games. If Kojima knows I that I this could fail. Yeah. Here's hoping it doesn't. I mean, again, for all the criticism I give Metal Gear games, for, you know, it's 10 million cutscenes, it's Take five steps, here's a cutscene. Next five steps, here's your cutscene. They are enjoyable games. They're they are solidly made, they know what they are, and they do a good job of portraying themselves. So I would like to see more from Kojima outside of a boot stepping on his neck. Yeah. You know, what what creative chops will he put into this? I just so like I need something to stand on for it. Yeah. So expanding on my thoughts there a little bit in the hopes of also seeing what you guys think about it. Uh, Metal Gear Solid 1 is a terrific game start to finish. I think that I think everything is fine with the, the way it balances it all between gameplay, melodrama, codex, and cutscenes, right? Right. Um, and all that game was was him being super happy and optimistic about the new console and just remaking Metal Gear 2. Um, But then Metal Gear Solid 2, if you take away all the other stuff about the actual story, and, you know, some of the stuff that I think was good about the internet that he had to say, and all the philosophical bullshit, to strip that away, that game is him worrying that he can't live up to the sequel of of Metal Gear Solid, and trying to just remake it in a way that still feels fresh. 
That's why the whole revelation at the end and all that. Um, But whenever you get to four where it's bogged down with cutscenes and that game, I feel like your summary of you walk a few steps, you get another cutscene. That game is the one that lives up to that most. I mean, there are 90-minute cutscenes in between 10-minute gameplay segments. Um, But that game is him having to answer questions he never thought he would have to come up with answers to, trying to live up to what Metal Gear had become, and wanting to end it all, which is where Snake ends up trying to kill himself at the end. Um, And you can just feel that crunch of you have to make this sequel. And, and then whenever you get... Well, go ahead. No, uh, I'll let you finish your thought. I've got a thing just on the full span of Metal Gear. Okay. Whenever you get to, like, Peace Walker, that one gives you... if You can feel a little breath of freedom, but it, at a reduction of uh, funding or whatever you want to call it. Like, just the ability to make the game is reduced, but he has more freedom to make a game he wants, and it's really fun. And then you get Metal Gear Solid Five, where he tries to make the gameplay, but whenever you finally get to the story, it's unfinished because it will always be unfinished. Uh, he wants the player to feel like they are big boss as he leaves. He wants you to not worry about the future, but he himself is done with this. And I think that the game feels that way. And that's why I was saying... Uh, that's why I was saying I wonder how Death Stranding will go with it. But go ahead. What were you going to say about Metal Gear as a whole? So for Metal Gear as a whole, because Metal Gear 1, fairly solid, you know, a, li- a little convoluted at times, but it, it cleared itself up pretty well at the end. You know, yeah. you, you had your villain, you had your twist, you had, you know, all of that played in. You get into Metal Gear 2. And they they teased it with snake then you jump to a whole new character and it started it it jumped its own chart during that and i felt like because i i mean i remember playing through one loving it you know i loved the intrigue i loved the plot i loved the twist and then i got into two and it was like why even bother throwing snake in at the start i really yeah i what would have actually been better? Have you start as Raiden? Have Technically, you, start you as can. Him? Well, but to do that, for keep that initial ship scene in, have that be yeah. a VR mission for Raiden. I think, to be honest, actually, now that you brought that up, because as I said, I've been playing through them recently, mm-hmm. there's a couple lines uh, that you're told that you hear whatever through uh snake through the colonel uh ai and whatnot that actually lead me to believe that it is which i would have liked if they had just stated that in, in the yeah like, in the graphic oh, in the graphic novel version it's overt because when it ends when snake dies or whatnot when he drowns uh raiden leaves vr and so I get what you're saying. That I actually like the. I think that the uh, graphic novel of Metal Gear Solid Two tells a more cohesive story. Yeah, and I well, and I think part of the issue, as you stated, it was Kojima being worried that he mm-hmm. can't, that he wouldn't be able to live up to 
what he had created with Metal Gear Solid. Right. Yeah. And as that happened more and more, people were like, oh, well, we want, you know, probably develop, not developers, producers, you know, yes. the big, big brother standing behind him saying, well, we want more. And we yeah. want it all to tie together. And so he jumped back and went to Metal Gear Solid 3. And I was like, oh, now we're going to introduce the, you know, his origins or what, you know, led to him becoming a thing. Oh, so and I think that I do want to say, I think that as the series goes on, uh, Big Boss becomes the stand in for Kojima at first. Hmm. But uh, and just to add to your point, I heard an oh shit. Oh, no, I was just, I was going to go off of that, too. It's, oh, shit, it's not actually Snake's origins, it's Big Boss's origins. Yeah. And now we've called back to Metal Gear Solid 2, Metal Gear. Yep. And what I think would have been a better option instead of taking this, I mean, to go back to jumping the shark with the fawns and all that, taking this motorcycle that you just jumped the shark with and throwing it off a goddamn cliff. They they went into five to try and tie up all their loose ends. I almost would have preferred a reset. Because the story I that, prefer a reset. We all know that anyway. Go ahead. Yeah. The story he created was so massive with so yeah. many frayed threads and loose and just there were so many points where you could just pick one thing and it all just crumbled pieces every if, game has a retcon yeah and if instead of just oh crap i screwed that up so i'm just going to keep building this in a different way and i'm going to add more over here to try and make sense of this part over here it's like no burn the tapestry start yeah. again go back to your yeah. origin is like you want this to be a game all about snake then you start at point one for snake you say you know what was his first mission Right, we go, go back, back to that, and it's just build from there. We go back to God. Outer Haven and Zanzibar land. Well, no, no, no. Like, I mean, that was his first mission for Fox, but imagine, well, also, even in that, with Five and Venom Snake and all of that, it's like, dude, you you want to show how Big Boss became a villain, but you also, for some reason, are constraining yourself for those first two games nobody cares about uh, to be canon still. The games with the least amount of story, the MSX games, Metal Gear and Metal Gear 2. Um, but no, on your point, yeah, absolutely. I would love to see a game where you actually start as a Green Beret, um, David, the solid snake before he comes to Foxhound. Yeah, and I Your first mission is they, while you're still in the army. If they kept it that he was a clone? Yeah. Doesn't realize he is, so, you know... As a Green Beret, he's doing his missions, and one of his final missions is to go against this regional terrorist. And it's like, yeah, he's mm -hmm. been causing insurrections, all this other stuff. He's got a code name in the region just called Boss. Oh, I have a little it. bit different of an idea, but go ahead. You go through it, you get to the end of it. Final scene is basically, you know, Snake before he becomes Solid Snake, going through this mission, he gets to the final sequence, confronts Boss, and it's like, he busts into the room that he's at, and it's just looking at an older version of himself. 
and that's the that mm. would be basically their reveal. It's like, no, you were a clone of this guy, and then either minor cutscene where boss escapes, you fight the final, you know, major enemy that was the, the forefront. Whatever the Metal Gear of the day is. Yeah. Maybe a Metal Gear, maybe just who the forefront, like, the face of that revolution was. He took the moniker boss, but the true boss was this guy. Mm. He escapes, you face down the the face boss, and the game ends there. You go to two with <clears throat> Snake now joining Fox to go Hound. after boss. Fox, yeah, sorry. Snake joining Foxhound to go after boss specifically. And at this point, now he's they changed his moniker to be Big Boss because it seems every region he goes to, he creates a boss there. Oh, see, you're... Okay, I have a different take. Your take, though, what I do like is um, you're making MGS5 work. Yeah, because there were multiple bosses and they're just replicas yeah. or, like, mental... Well, Venom Snake is, that. yeah, it's just somebody they molded into Big Boss. Yeah. Right, and the, and which kind of defeats the purpose of Big Boss being so great. They clone him because of his soldier skills. If anybody if could just, just wake up from a coma well, and become boss, here's the whole thing, though. I mean, they were conditioning him in his coma to be the boss, and even I know, he, even when he comes out, you can see he's definitely not boss. When he comes out of the coma, he's definitely not the boss. <laughs> Mm. Or not Big Boss. He's Venom. Snake. Yeah. Not to be confused with Venom. Venom doesn't actually show up in Metal Gear Solid 5 unless you mod it. Um, oh, I was thinking of the Eminem song. Um, but no, I shared that video with you. The one where it's Venom Snake talking to Four's Big Boss. Like the, yeah. the way Big Boss looked in 4. Well, Big Boss, period. Because it's how he looks in all of them. Right. But it's him talking to him saying, you don't have to worry about being Big Boss anymore. You've done your part kind of thing as Outer Haven explodes. It was a cool video. But it goes back to what you're saying. It relies on, the, on Metal Gear and Metal Gear 2 Solid Snake being yeah. canon. And so, I don't even so, think a lot of people know those games exist. <laughs> no, and I mean, there, I'm sure that there are people who either did play them whenever uh, Subsistence came out, or tried, and was like, oh, fuck it, they're old and stupid. Um, personally, Metal Gear 2 is the only one I think is playable, or worth trying to play. Uh, I think the others are just too old. But... But but my take on the on the idea of rebooting a snake, um, and it's something I think Konami could do, they like should. right now. They, they should. should. No, they shouldn't. They should, and they should hire David Hayter back, since Kojima and him have beef. That's. Um, and fans would be happy, and then they could stop making bullshit like Metal Gear Survive. But anyway, um. You get you get Snake fresh out of the Green Berets, right? Mm-hmm. They're like, hey, yo, B-Boy Snake Dog G, uh, you've been doing so good. 
at these covert ops uh, as a green beret um, that we're gonna bring you into this new division foxhound that we got. And he meets Big Boss, he serves under Big Boss, and he's trained by uh, Kazuhira Miller, right? Mm-hmm. Because what we're yeah. doing is we're smoothing, yeah, we're smoothing out the continuity. Because uh, the idea of Miller, the idea that the that Big Boss said that he was clones and all of that, was not in Metal Gear 2 the way that Metal Gear Solid pretends it was. But anyway, um, so he goes to the mother base for Foxhound because the idea that Big Bots had built mother base but then eventually reconciled with the U.S. because he actually has plans, you know what I mean? Right. So he pretended he was still that hero for the U.S. Um, At this time, George Sears becomes president or something. Who cares? Uh, You go off to your mission. Your first mission is um, somebody has... uh, whatever it was about the oil. It's like somebody made a synthetic oil that could end our dependence on um, fossil fuels forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and the leader of this outer heaven group uh, has kidnapped him, and your your goal is to go save him. Meanwhile, you have a comrade in arms, Gray Fox, Frank Yeager, who has to go investigate something else. And he goes off to do that while you go off to save Dr. Carl Rove or whatever his fucking name was. That's definitely not it. Um, you go through there, you do everything, and it actually goes very well for some Until at the end of that mission, you find out that something's gone horribly wrong with Gray Fox. Mm-hmm. You come back to Meadow, you come back to Mother Base, and then you go off to Zanzibar Land. Big Boss sends you to Zanzibar land to go find uh, Gray Fox, whose final transition or transmission said Metal Gear. Go through all that, beat your bosses there, and find out that the ultimate person behind it all this whole time has been Big Boss. And he's like, I tricked you. I just literally didn't think you'd make it this far. Like, props on that dog, but it's time to die. Um, you have your fist fight on a minefield with Gray Fox because you find out he's also been betraying you. And then you have your final fight with Big Boss, where he actually dies at the end, allegedly. And then from there, we just remake Metal Gear uh, Solid. And I won't delve into the rest of it. All right. Yeah, we could, we could probably go on for hours. I, I, I mean, I've written about it. <laughs> yeah. So I don't want to just rehash it all again over and over. But... I'd say that's a that's a good place to end it. Okay. So. Good chat. Yeah. And we will uh, we'll see you guys next week. Um. Anybody no plugs. Kink- Anybody got anything to plug? At no, King Kegel on Twitter, and in the coming weeks to a month and a half, new podcast, sister podcast of Gaming Casual. <laughs> Ooh, secret secrets. Oh my. Um, oh my. As usual for uh, Twitch, control freak, or twitch.tv slash control freak. Otherwise, on Facebook, because I've started reposting again, uh, facebook.com slash Ziguru Review. Um, yeah, I post about 
sometimes topics that we discuss here. Otherwise, I talk about games that I've played and just want to gush about or gripe about. Obviously, Twitch, I play games that I gush about or want to gripe about. Jane, yeah, you're up yeah. for your plugs. No, nah, it was a dramatic pause. Uh, follow me on Twitch tv slash lord sedge uh youtube.com sedge gaming and twitter sedge underscore gaming and that's it and obviously uh you can find this podcast if you haven't found it on anchor and hopefully by the time well at the moment it's anchor uh dot fm slash gaming casual and hopefully we'll working to get it elsewhere yeah well, hopefully it'll be elsewhere. I'm hoping to have it on Spotify eventually. Not a hopefully. It's an eventually. <laughs> yes, we'll be on Spotify eventually. And Google Play and iTunes. <laughs> Pretty much everywhere that you get your podcasts. One thing at a time. Yeah. Small yeah. steps. Baby steps. Hey, we said eventually. It's fine. Exactly. Anyway, bye. Laters. Hey, guys. Sedge here. I uh, just wanted to give a quick shout out to our intro music, 8-Bit Onward by Heatley Bros. You can find them on YouTube, and I will be posting a link in the description. Thanks. Bye.